0: Mrs. B's Clearance and Outlet is all new, combining legendary value with a fresh attitude. Shop one-of-a-kind finds in today's must-have trends. Explore wall-to-wall deals, furniture, flooring, mattresses, home accents, grills, patio sets, and more. Discover great new home decor, pillows, greenery, and more. There's something perfect for your style and budget. There's new inventory every
2: day at up to 80% off suggested retail. Discover the style and savings of the new Mrs. B's Clearance and Outlet.
0: It's the bluest room in town Yeah, they're actually funny
2: I'm joined by no doubt two very happy Evertonians uh, from the Liverpool Echo, Adam Jones. Adam, how are you, mate? I'm I'm very good. Yeah, good performance last night. So yeah, good move. And uh, Mickery, you all as well. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, yeah, still ever coming from two clean sheets in a row. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, but before we before we get into to all that, uh, Adam Jones was just telling us before we came on air then. he cooked Christmas dinner for himself and, and his colleague Sam Carroll, and it wasn't about incident, mate. Put it that way. No, it was literally the first thing I did as well. Like I had to buy a new like veg peeler,
3: and it it had like a plastic thing over the over the like actual blade. So I was washing it, and I hadn't took the plastic thing off. And I went, oh, I've got to take this plastic thing off." And when I went to take the plastic thing off, I essentially just sliced my fingertip off. So, so it was Christmas dinner with your blood. <laughs> well, well, I had to do it one handed from that point on, which which was quite the challenge.
2: Ah, oh, nightmare, nightmare. Have you ever cooked a Christmas dinner, Mick? Yeah, i have actually with uni. Um, I mean, everything ends up getting
1: burnt, but it still looks nice. To be honest. I've never <laughs> cut myself. I've never ended up cutting myself though. so know.
2: Uh, well, I'm uh, one a step, step ahead. Enough. <laughs> a little bit like his <laughs> wrist injury last night. But uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll move on to have a chat about the game. Uh, just, just first and foremost, actually, Lads, I uh, wanted to ask you if you were part of an Everton team that won. Two know away at Leicester in the makeshift dressing room afterwards would you be Mason Holgate stood up on a chair with your kecks around your ankles or would you be Dominic Carver-Lewin singing into the microphone I'd like to think I'd be Alex Awobi filming
3: filming it all to be honest <laughs> but uh, out of those two options I think I'd have to be Mason Holgate because that's just that's hilarious isn't it is And that, I, I love that is that what you like at the Echo Christmas parties yeah on a chair kecks on yeah, yeah it's probably for the best that we can't do
1: one this year <laughs> what about you Mike? I think I would have been Niels and Kunku just sitting there soaking everything in to be honest <laughs> just enjoying it <laughs> did yeah yeah I think <laughs> Calvert-Lewin's um, singing on the microphone because obviously he must be in like the press conference room or something he's just sitting on the manager's chair just like turning around just enjoying himself
2: yeah I, I wasn't watching them thinking, there's no way Carlo's in that room there, No, he's definitely gone out to do his media briefing, and then as soon, yeah. he, as soon as he walks back in, everyone's going to like, t- yeah, back it all up, <laughs> <laughs> back it, back it all in,
0: it's um,
3: like when the teacher's just gone out the room for a little bit, isn't it, and you just have a bit of a party, and then they walk back in, and you're like, shh, shh,
2: shh. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that, but it's, it's, I think it's uh, it's indicative of how important that way was, and I was sort of thinking about this before we came on tonight, lads, and how it sort of felt after that Burnley game, and it sort of felt then that Everton, even at that point, had maybe wasted that good start to the season, the field good factor completely gone, and you know, it was a draw at Burnley, it wasn't the, you know, the worst result in the world in the grand scheme of things, but it just felt like things were, were really unravelling for this group of lads and this manager, and in the space of five days, my word, they've given the season a massive injection of momentum haven't me, and I think, at it, it's not just the the way in which they've, you know, it's not just the fact that they've won games. I think it's the fact that they've won games in a way which is completely different to to what we've seen from them at any point in the season. It's almost like all of a sudden this clip that you know we're going to be defensively solid, we're going to snuff out really good attacking sides, and we're going to be dead clinical and we get our own chances as well. Mm. I think it's interesting when you look back at Carlo Ancelotti's
3: comments after that Burnley game. He was. Quite upbeat about the performance in general. Like obviously, you know, the individual error of it early in the game aside, and then when Fabian Delph went off injured, we had obviously that switching formation, changing system uh, to bring Ben Godfrey over to left back, and we looked a lot more solid from that point on. I think Carlo Ancelotti was very keen to highlight that after the Burnley game, which, and obviously, we didn't really pick up on at the time because we had just drawn 1-1 with Burnley. You know, it was a disappointing result, but you know. Perhaps in that second half, you know how defensively solid they were. They have managed to take that into the Chelsea game and now into the Leicester game as well. And you know, I've said for years that I, I just think the best teams are built on a strong defensive foundation, and that's obviously something that Carlo Ancelotti has been trying to find for a long time. You know, we thought he had it you know, just after that period, just after lockdown. When, funnily enough, it was that four four two again. We got that nil nil against Liverpool. And We were thinking to ourselves, oh, we we might have might have stumbled upon the defensive system for us now and uh, it just didn't really work out like that of course and then the 4-3-3 while it was very very good going forward I think there were always uh, there were always weaknesses at the back Uh, so it's really interesting to see Everton playing in this sort of stoic defensive sort of style I'm not sure how long it's going to last especially when you've got the likes of Seamus Coleman surely going to come back into the side that's going to Disrupt things a little bit. I think losing Alan in front of that back four as well yesterday—that's going to be a big miss. Depending on who we bring in to replace him, of course, if we're going to keep that system. So hopefully, we've got contingencies that we can modify this over the next few weeks. But I think you know the last two games in particular—that's that's going to be what Carlo Ancelotti is focusing on. You know, more than the you know the two the two wins, it's those clean sheets that are going to be that are going to really please him. I think.
2: Yeah, Mick. They're, they're the, the bedrock of all this, aren't they? You know, finding that defensive cohesion has been, you know, it, it felt like even in that Burnley game at times, it was absolutely miles off, and he's just stumbled upon something that re- works really well, hasn't he, in the last two? Yeah,
1: and I think to be honest, I think I thought this is what Ancelotti's Everton was always going to look like. I think you know, be conservativ,e so, you know, be really well drilled, you know. All about game management and stuff like that, and nicking games here and there because that's how you pick it up, like pick up points, I suppose. You know, as we we saw that did the start of the calendar year when I, can't, I think it must have been. I'm trying to think. Was it bit Was it Newcastle? We faced our first away game.
2: Yeah, it the, like
1: yeah. it was spectacular, but we went there and we we sort of just controlled the game basically. And sometimes that's what you need against those type of teams, you know, to be. You know, you don't need to be over expansive. You don't need to, you know, shoot yourself in the foot. And, you know, the start of the season, we've been everything I thought we wouldn't be. You know, we've been ultra-attacking, you know, overloading all e- everywhere and leaving ourselves vulnerable. And, you know, almost, you know, enforced on us, we've, we've, we became a bit more conservative. We've been not negative as such, but we've, we've realised that sometimes you've just got to, you know, you, you can't just attack all the time and maybe this... Obviously, you know, against Chelsea and against Leicester, you can't do that. And I think the Arsenal game, you know, on Saturday will be a big show of, you know, what's the next step now? Like, are we going to stick with being a bit more, you know, conservative or are we, especially if James comes back into it? You know, are we going to, you know, go at them again and see what we saw early on in the season? I think it's obviously you've got to try and find the middle ground, haven't you? you know. As much as last night was a fantastic, you know, a good performance, you don't, you don't want to be having 30% possession every week. I mean, I suppose if you're winning every week, it doesn't really matter. But there are going to be games where, you know, where against your Burnleys and against, you know, your West Ham's and stuff like that, where they're going to do what we did for Leicester. And so, you know, you have the ball and they're going to hit you on the break when you, you know, overcommit. But I think the last two games, I think even the second half against Burnley, as much as, you know, it wasn't perfect, you know, there were signs there that... You know we're going in the right direction at least I? I suppose you know we're only 12 months in. i don't know is it 12 months today or something or tomorrow, actually, it's is,
2: tomorrow. The point?
1: is it tomorrow I, probably yeah. it yeah.
2: probably.
3: I thought i thought it was like next week at some point to be honest i yeah. thought it was like the twenty second. And i
0: know
1: his first game was boxing day wasn't it
3: mm-hmm.
2: but um,
1: it's at the moment you know we're only 12 months in it's all about you know baby steps i suppose
2: yeah and i think it's I think the, the encouraging thing for me, Adam, and you know, I sort of, I was quite scared about them in regards to this on the Burnley game, saying the the name of the game this season. I think for every side, I think the team that ultimately wins the league and the teams that finish in the top four will be the ones that adapt the best because everyone's going to get injuries, you know, everyone's going to have to make do in a season which is just like one we've never seen before. And I think teams that can change the system, change the players, and just manage to scrape through are uh, going to do really well. and it, it, it did feel as though sort of like Richardson getting sent off in that derby was like pulling on a thread and the tapestry just sort of crumbled in front of us it was like, well, this team doesn't look like it's got it in them to adapt but the last few weeks whether it's by design or by a bit of luck <laughs> they have found a way haven't they to sort of just get through that and I think if they're going to stay up there and stay in the race for a top four spot if they're going to stay in cup competitions then that's going to be dead important. Mm. I think it'd be really interesting to see like what the players thought the tipping
3: point was. I thought I personally think the tipping point was probably that Leeds game, getting beat by Leeds and you know, Holgate was out after the game saying, Oh, well, we thought every time they attacked us, we just had to go and attack them. And you know, that's just not the way not the way we should be playing football matches, to be honest, especially with the team that we had out on the day. And you mentioned obviously that Richarlison uh, sending off. And I think that was probably the first time that we'd had, you know, a really big player. And obviously Dean was missing as well for a game after that. But like, that was the first time we'd really had a big player missing this season. And it was up to then the rest of the squad to kind of step up in his absence. You know, Bernard, Alex Iwobi, uh, any anybody who was going to get picked in that, uh, in that position. And, you know, it, it's always going to be difficult for anybody to be a life-for-life replacement for Richarlison in that system. I think any team in the Premier League is going to struggle to... Replaced Richarlison, like for like, in that system, but I just don't think that the players that Everton did call upon on that time really stood up to the mark. Whereas over the last couple of games, you've seen Gilfie Sigurdsson stepping back into the team. I think he's helped massively that he's playing in his natural position, of course, but he's certainly stepped up to the mark. You know, he's putting in that energy rate that we were seeing a couple of seasons ago and that we were lauding him for a couple of seasons ago. Alex Awoaba over the last few games has been absolutely fantastic, in my opinion. You know, he's been versatile, he'll just play wherever the manager wants him to. Right wing back, left wing back. I think he was swapping, swapping flags with Richarlison last night as well, just to try and just to try and break down Leicester in any way that he could. And I think you know, again, the energy that he's been putting into his performances has been really, really good to see. So.
2: You'd be glad in, to know, Abham, and, uh, Mick is the, the chairman of the Alexa Averbey Ultras, so uh, is he? yeah, <laughs> we'd like to have a chat about
3: a bit. But... <laughs> well, I, I just think he's indicative of you know squad members stepping up to the plate, and you know that's that's exactly what we need, and you know we're going to need it again now that Alan's injured. Of course, we're going to need somebody to step up to the plate in that midfield and prove why they're part of this Everton squad. Because I think you're right in what you're saying that essentially the team that's going to be the most consistent and the most adaptable. Is going to win the Premier League. Now Everton aren't going to win the Premier League, but if we're going to be in the in the shelf for a top four place or a European place, we still need to be somewhat consistent and adaptable in these sort of scenarios. So we can't just have a good start in eleven. We do have to have a good 17, 18, 19 players. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see you know which players do step up over the next few weeks because it's such a busy schedule. Carlo's going to have to going to have to rotate in. Essentially, every position, I'd say. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see who uh, who passes the test.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's one of them, isn't it? You know, we 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 look at Sigurdsson and we and when they come into the side, there's it seems like we have the same sort of conversations all the time. Well, you know, these lads have got to show what they can do now. But it's their opportunity, and, and you've got to seize it. And while that might still be the case, it, I suppose it's hard, isn't it, to come into a, a team that's functioning in a particular way. In the case of Sigurdsson, certainly a team that isn't playing. You know, doesn't even have that role, which you consider your best role, and you've got to adapt a little bit. So, perhaps it's no surprise that these lads have been slow to get up to speed in recent weeks. But now we're looking at a situation there where Sigurdsson's played two games in a row. Uh I think, has probably played you know, probably his fifth game in a row, isn't he? He's played now. You know, and, and those lads, all of a sudden, are looking a bit more settled, a bit fitter, and a bit more in tune with the teammates.
1: Yeah I think I think as fans and I think Ancelotti has this problem but I think football in general has the problem is that when it comes to squad players it people can be it's it can be very tough for them to get opportunities but it can be very easy for them to you know get thrown back out the side again I think that's probably been a, one of is particularly has been one of his biggest problems in his first you know 18 months as, as an Everton player there's the lack of consistency just hasn't been there. And in fairness, as much as I like him, he's not done himself favours at times. He really hasn't. Like he'll be fantastic one week and he'll be, you know, he'll be generally awful the next week. And when you look at it like that, you can't keep on giving players those chances because I suppose when you're on you've got to be able to trust players. And but I think over the last couple of weeks, I think and I think that's why we haven't seen Bernard. I think that's why we haven't seen Gomez as frequently. Did you know he's starting to trust? You know he's starting to trust the world He's starting to trust Sigerson. I wish he'd start to trust Niels and Kunku, but I don't think we're going to see that in a while. <laughs> um, but I think you know maybe that's what you know and Kunku, particularly and Gordon as well. You've got to when you get that opportunity because it will happen. It will happen. Is you know we'll have a cup game against Rotherham in January and you'd expect both of them to play. And when that chance comes, even if it's ten, twenty minutes off the bench, you know, in the next couple of games, because I suppose that will happen as well. They've got to they've really got to grab that opportunity and they've got to prove to Ancelotti, especially not just going forward and pressing you know, that way, but from the defensive side of things to, you know, to, you know, do the dirty work. And I think it was a big statement last night that, you know, with five minutes to go, it was Anthony Gordon who came on and, and it wasn't Bernard. You know, and it it wasn't John Joe Kenny and He came on afterwards. You know, he, this is a nineteen year old winger who, you know, he isn't gonna be renowned if he ends up being a first team player for his defensive responsibility, unless he's some sort of Richardson who, despite, you know, the last two games has been criticized by commentators for not tracking back enough. Oh, he's uh, just crazy, isn't he? What a, you know. I, know, like, I never, I, I, off, I, never I, get carry, that, carry that like every single week, don't we? Yeah. But like, I think that was a big statement. I know he's only on for of like five to ten minutes, but but I think that was a sign really of getting those minutes as that type of player, you've got to really take that opportunity. And in fairness to Wolby and in fairness to Sigerson, especially in the last two games, they've you know, they've 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 been quite impressive, like quietly impressive. They've not been spectacular and they've not done anything, you know, you know, out of the ordinary, but they've been Confidence, and they've been they've been sensible, and sometimes, especially when you're playing Chelsea and Leicester, that's that's all you need to be.
2: Yeah, I think sensible is a, sort of a great way to, to sum it up. Actually, and I think I think other in regards to you know the away games this season, in you know in all of them to a degree. Late on when we've been ahead, we've had to hang on a little bit. And you know, I, you know when, when you're in there watching, you know watching the games, I think you know Crystal Palace at times it felt like oh no, we're going to concede, here. and then afterwards you sort of go eh, we were all right there. Fulham was a little bit like that as well, wasn't it? Where, you know, they piled on the pressure a bit after they got that second goal. But there wasn't really any saves for Jordan Pickford. But I don't know, last night I didn't even get myself to that point where I thought, you know, we're in trouble here. And Leicester are pinning us back. It felt like, like Mike said there, I think that's a great way to describe it. Everyone just did the sensible thing, whether it was just holding on to the ball at the right time, playing the ball forward at the right time. Winning a free kick at an opportune moment, you know, and even to the point where Mason Holgate just scored at the perfect time to just completely relieve any sort of pressure. And I think against the side that, you know, let's be honest, is packed with attacking quality, you know, that, that midfield they've got of, of Ndidi and, and Elemans in particular is, is outstanding, one of the best in the Premier League. To be able to come out of that game and go, well, actually, they didn't really have everything pinned pin back for any point in the game. You know, it's a testament to the defensive work, but I think it's a a testament to how, again, using that word, sensible Everton were with the football when we got it. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, Uh, am I right in saying that Leicester didn't have a shot on target in the second half? Yeah, that's Uh,
2: right. A bit like like
3: Chelsea. Yeah. 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 So it's it's a welcome change, isn't it? Because, you know, a couple of years ago, we would have been sat here on these podcasts going, oh, when are Everton going to win an away game again? Because Everton's away form had just been absolutely shocking, and Carlo Ancelotti's just came in and just went, I'm changing that, and <laughs> since since <laughs> Carlo has come in, so something's clicked in their heads, and somehow they're able to go and, as you as you rightly say, be sensible in these in these sort of away games. We didn't need to go all out attacking against Leicester. We just needed to be get our feet on the ball, control the control the possession as much as we possibly could. to know, we didn't have a lot of it, but keep Leicester in the right areas essentially, and that's that's what they did all the way through. I I, I do have to say when. When Gomez gave away that penalty, which obviously wasn't a penalty, I was thinking to myself at that point, "Don't, like, don't, don't, don't let this go now. <laughs> We've done so well. It's it, it. It would just be very evident to have given it away in that sort of way. But no, apart from that, I think it was it was just a very composed and mature performance. And you know, against a side like Leicester, as you say, you know, they're going to be challenging for these European places as well. You know, we essentially should be considering Leicester as a direct rival for these places and to to go there and pretty comfortably beat them on their own turf. I know their home form's not been amazing so far this season, but still I think it's a I still think it's a worthwhile achievement and it's something that Everton should be looking to recreate throughout the season now and just go into these sort of away games, even against sides that are below us and just go, right, okay, we're gonna just control this game as much as possible. Pick up 1 0 wins here and there, 2 1s, and anything to just get three points on the board. And I think that's that's what's going to be the important thing when we get towards the, the latter stages of this season.
2: It's the kind of foot you've just got to play, isn't it, in this, this time of year? You know, you can't, if you've got a game every three days, you're not going to be free flowing and dead sharp all the time. You're going to have to just tough it out sometimes. And I think that the, the lad actually, Mike, who summed it up probably best for me last night, and, you know, amongst a lot of good performances, was Abdelai DeCore. And it was that, it was, again, it, it's going back to that ability to adapt. Because I think this season, he's had to do a few different jobs. But I think he's been at his best when he's been allowed to get forward a little bit more and, you know, carry the ball, get into the box and sort of link up from an attacking point of view. But he had to adapt a lot in that second half last night when, when Alan goes off just before half time with that injury. Because, you know, while it's not entirely his game of him and Andre Gomez, he's the more defensively dynamic footballer, more defensively switched on footballer. And he really had to adapt in that regard. And before half-time, he wins a really important tackle on Vardy. He does the same thing in the second half as well. And he just swept up absolutely everything in front of that back four. Yeah, it was such an intelligent performance, wasn't it?
1: I think, guys, it was, it was annoying, actually, because when Alan went off, he, I thought Alan was fantastic in the first thirty-five, forty 40 minutes. But, you know, you know, injuries happen, I suppose. But sec- after that, the goal, he was... He was, he was you know, he suppose he was he was everything in that game that we thought we were gonna get. Do you know what I mean? He he was everywhere. You know, remember when we had McCarthy and Barry and you we'd say about McCarthy about he like he'd cover every you know, blade of glass play the glass,
2: play the grass.
1: But he was he was he was everywhere and I think if that was last season and we had a player like Alan and Alan would have to go off and then we'd end up being it would have most likely ended up being a midfielder of, of Gomez and Sigurdsson, you know, without, you know, obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing, but we probably would have ended up losing that game because, you know, you've got nowhere in the middle to really just, you know, break things up and be, be a bit more, like I said before, be sensible about things and being in the right place at the right time. And it's not like he was just sat in front of the back four and, you know, controlled, like, their attack, base. he was still, you know, venturing forward. and And I think, you know he, he's he's gonna have a big role in the next few weeks of well, I know, because the injury it, it didn't look it didn't look great. He was on crutches last night from the pitches, which you know I hope it's not like I hope it's not I hope it's just a pulled thing, I hope he's not torn anything or anything like that. Because I suppose we've got Obama back in a few weeks, but no one has a clue what he's gonna be like. <laughs> you know, he could be as as much as I like them and Jeremy You know, you have two big serious injuries. You can be a completely different player. But I think he's going to be massive to how this team performs in the next month or so. And I think, hopefully, I hope Davies gets an opportunity. You know, um, I, think it's, I think it's about. I think it's a big month for him. You know, like I said before about trust, he's got to, you know, hopefully we're in a situation where he gets given a game. I doubt he'll play on, on Saturday, but maybe he comes in in one of the next couple of games and, and he earns the trust. And then when Alan comes back, you know, you've got you know, players fighting for shirts again, because that's, that's what we need. But, but solely on core right, I thought last night, maybe I thought he was I thought he was excellent against Fulham and Brighton. But I think last night was the game that I really thought, you know, this is why we bought you. And I think, you know, it's, it's another good sign. And, I, you know, hopefully these type of like performances from him and the rest of the players, obviously Godfrey, you know, came in as well. Hopefully the rest of these players are really just going to take us up a level now. And um, like what I said, when Alan comes back, hopefully these players are gonna have a, a fight, to just get back in the team. I remember seeing on Twitter last night, you know, which put um Hamas back in on Saturday and forty percent of people said no. I was
2: like, <laughs> <laughs> It's
1: amazing what two wins does for us.
2: We've had a comment on actually on this uh, LMC two four seven saying, I can't believe it's never Tony and I'm wondering how Hamas Rodriguez gets, gets back into this team. I don't think everyone is putting in a shift, but that's not his game. Uh yeah. But but uh, just just staying with the core a little bit, Adam. Uh, obviously you weren't on your usual player ratings duty uh, last night. Uh, would whether you've been your man of the match if you were doing it.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree with Sammy. Would have got a nine from me because I think that the most impressive thing about his performance is that he he seemed everywhere, but it, it wasn't because he was sprinting around like a headless chicken. It's just his positioning. Was spot on every single time. Whenever Leicester were putting those low crosses into the box, it seemed to be just going straight to the corner, and he was just going, "Thank you," and just just progressing up the pitch with it from that point on. And then his I thought his passing accuracy was really good. I think you know, obviously, Michael's talked about those cross, those uh, those tackles back in the box on Jamie Vardy as well. Like that's it was a complete sort of midfielders performance. And I think he did have to modify his game a little bit when Alan went off, but I think he did that. He did that perfectly to accommodate somebody like Andre Gomez coming in. I agree that I think maybe Tom Davis would suit being next to the to Corey a little bit better. I think he's probably a bit closer in profile to what Allen would would have. So it'd be it'd be int- I think it'd be interesting to see him in that Arsenal game rather than Man United games. I think the United game's a bigger game. I'd rather I'd rather give Davis his chance against the Arsenal. You know, a, a bit of a depleted Arsenal of that. You know, in front of the fans of Goodison again. I I think it's gonna be the perfect chance for him to try and show what he can what he can do next to Decore. But yeah, I think Decore was probably by far no way man of the match, but I don't think anybody had a bad game. And it was it was it was like that against Chelsea. Like there was nobody that you could pick out and go, and he didn't really play that well. I mean, literally every every single player had a really good game and I think that's you're not gonna get many of those performances a season. So I think we we probably need to uh, probably need to make as much of them as we can.
1: People turn to the Weather Channel app for their weather forecasts every day. But what if the app could forecast more, like allergy risk trackers and real-time rain alerts, so you know when to stay inside, load up on tissues and podcasts, and 24-hour future radar, so you can plan to get outside, load up on sunscreen and podcasts. Do more of what you love. Don't just check the weather. Embrace it with the weather channel
2: yeah and i think it's you know that, that's probably emphasized by the fact that we haven't even mentioned even the goal scorers tonight on this podcast uh, the first one i want to speak about in particular and i'm, I'm really glad that you two lads are on actually because mike obviously you're very much you know invested in the statistical side and the data side of, of um football. Adam, you've been in the media and, you know, look at the you know our players are spoken about and, and the perceptions a lot. Um this this thing about Richardlison is just starting to do my head in now. I think it's it's a couple of times, you know, well it started it started off effectively with Jamie Carr against Leeds, sort of making that throwaway comment about him and it just seems to have grown and grown and grown since then up until the point where the analysis around them during the game last night I thought was just wrong. Just, com- just completely and utterly wrong, but based on what you could see with your eyes and what the numbers say as well. And then to hear a former Everton captain in Phil Neville afterwards to trot out stereotypes about South American footballers, about a lad who doesn't really tick any of those boxes, really, uh, was really disappointing as well. Um, especially, I think, I'll come to you first on this one, Adam, especially after he just scored the opening goal in a really important game for Everton ran his bollocks off all night, won loads of important free kicks, took a few kicks, went off and had his wrist bandaged and came back on and just kept on going and going and going. I just felt as though, having watched that and seen that, how can you come to those conclusions about a player that is just, you know, those conclusions which could not be more odds of what he's all about? It's madness, isn't it? Like, I just think it's
3: hugely unfair. I I think it's it's coming from I, I think it just smacks of punditry from people who don't watch him every week because you, you, you can't watch him every week and have these perceptions about Richardson. I just don't, I don't understand it at all. Like you're quite right, the Phil Neville thing probably annoyed me more than anything else because you know I've I kind of weirdly just got used to co-commentators just saying, "Oh, he's always on the floor." Like, whatever, he's always fouled. Like that's why he's always on the floor. And until people realise that. Then you know the, it's it's always going to be the case. I think Jack Reilly probably suffers from something similar though, and you know I think he's probably one of one of if not the most foul players in the Premier League. So you know there's, there's obviously a reason why these players are on the floor all of that. But the AFL never come out and say, "Oh well, he play he plays well at the start of the season when it's warm, and then when it gets to the middle months, he doesn't really play as well." What evidence? What evidence have you got to support that?
2: Just, I just don't <laughs> I, just,
3: I just don't. I don't understand it at all. Like, I just think Richarlison just has this reputation for some reason as, as this as this player who you know, is temperamental and he's and he's aggressive and he he goes down too easily and then he doesn't doesn't score enough goals. And you know, no Everton fan thinks like that. You know, if if Richarlison had played for the three games that he you know had been suspended, Everton might be second or third in the league. That's how influential he is to this team. And that's how consistently influential he is to this team. Even when he's not on the score sheet, he's the one who's making all those dangerous runs. He's the one who always looks one of our most creative players. As you say, he makes more tackles than any other forward in the Premier League, doesn't he? He he is just a constant ball of energy, whether it's July or whether it's December. I just don't... I don't understand the reputation that he's got. To be honest, and I was really disappointed to hear that something like that coming from Phil Neville because it just shouldn't be the case. And yeah, you know, I think it's probably got to the point where you know Carlo Ancelotti might have to just start standing up for Richarlison at any point that he that he can. I think Marco Silver hit that point uh, towards I think was it his second season. Like he, he he was hitting the point where like Richie not diving like you know it, it kept being a point of press conferences, I think it's, it, it might be getting to that point for Carlo Ancelotti. Any other player goes into yesterday's game, scores the opening goal, you know, brings to an end a, a kind of a goal scoring drought, but, you know, scores scores the opening goal in the way that he did, works his socks off as he did, as you say, got, got injured and come back on, played through the pain barrier. You know, any other player should, would have been getting huge amounts of praise for that, but they just completely glossed over that in the post-match analysis. It was all just about uh, why wasn't he why hasn't he been scoring more goals more often this season and blah blah blah? It's just it's tiresome. It's it's really tiresome and it was it was really disappointing to see and you know hopefully hopefully we'll we'll start to see that change in soon, but I just can't see how that's gonna happen to be honest.
2: What did you make of it, Mick?
1: Um, so well, this is a good example as well of why after the game finishes I turn tell you off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's
1: but <laughs> from, from what I've gathered, like you know, um, I know Robs had quite a go in in, uh, in a, the in the um, post match, but it just smacks of it, just screams of, of um, lazy punditcy and that's what it is. And I think you know Adam said there about sometimes it's understandable from from commentators. Not that, not that you know it, it happens all the time. But I suppose when you're up there, and you just you just sometimes speak, you know speak what you think straight away but when you don't like when it was Phil Neville it and was, it was Emil Heskey last night as well weren't it you, you, you basically got 90 minutes to think about what you're going to say and after watching him perform for nearly the vast majority of the game scores you know the first goal nearly probably has flat at his wrist gets kicked everywhere you know it's, it's another you know example of him being combative. you know he's, he's everywhere all game and then you pick up in the post-match reaction and talk about how he's, how he's on the floor all the time like if it it was been a game where he'd done nothing and he'd had he'd had a proper stinker, uh, he'd missed maybe a few chances or he just wasn't involved at all, but he was still getting kicked everywhere. Then maybe uh, you pick up, oh yeah, he was on the floor everywhere and he, he all the time and he sorry, and he wasn't helping the team. But it's just it it's just lazy, do you know what I mean? It's it, people know other people say it, and therefore that's what they say as well. And Matt mentioned about it; it's really started since. Um, Carrigan mentioned it against the Leeds game after, I think it was after um, he got clattered by the goalkeeper. <laughs> it must have been safe after that, where it was a 50-50. He hadn't dived or anything like that. And, you know, he's, he's thrown that comment out, really, and it's just stuck. And it's just a load... It's just, it's just garbage. It's just garbage. I think, I'm I'm not sure... Someone mentioned it before about um, in, in the uh, Guardian Weekly, they were talking about Hazard um been worth the fifty million pound we spent on him, and it's
2: like some. Do, yeah. research, do I'm you research? Know I mean? Yeah, for him now. Yeah, <laughs> that one hundred and fifty, probably.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he might not have been, he's not he's not having like the best season in terms of scoring, but you know, look at all you got to do is look at the stats. where we've not won without him since he signed. You no, know, as much as that's not the most like
2: that's the, that's know, choice truth, That's the annoying thing. Like, the, 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 there's a dead recent example of free, yeah. but he's not played for Everton. And they were awful. So if you're a pundit and you're doing Everton's games and you look back at what's happened over the last few weeks, that's where it's dead obvious. And you say, well, he wasn't in those games. And Everton were actually pretty crap about him since he's come back in. He's not been perfect. He's been a lot better.
1: Yeah, 90 seconds out for three games, come back in for the Fulham game within 90 seconds, wins the ball back, dribbles into the box and sets up a goal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I suppose, you know, I suppose you could do without...
2: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah it, it it really wound me up last night. Yeah. I think mean, Clinton Morrison had definitely been typing his own name to Twitter as well when, when he moved on to the other flank. He was saying, oh yeah, people were saying I was wrong about Richardson, but look, Carlo Angelotti swapped, swapped side with a swap side to Alex, be it was like, yeah, I'm not entirely sure that's why, Clinton. But uh, anyway, we'll move on from that. Uh, just final thing on that game, actually. Uh, Adam is Mason Holgate now the new knee-sliding champion for Everton after the celebration last night? It was glorious, Can't, wasn't it?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was a huge fan of that. We, we've got a team of good knee sliders, to be fair. I think Sigurdsson's got a really good knee slide on him. He did
2: a good corner at Leicester when he
1: scored that, that goal. Yeah, Amazing. yeah, of course. Yeah, so Lukaku did one in that, in that corner as well, didn't he? On a boxing day a few years ago. Where Is that did... the
3: corner in the Premier League that's got the best knee slides ever? It must be. <laughs> it
2: must be, it must be it's something in the corner. <laughs> that was the silk down that end <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh, made, made up for Mason as well of course uh, you can see how, how much it meant to him uh, just final 10 minutes that's probably a wrap up Arsenal on Saturday um, Mike again I mean you've been sort of speaking about this a little bit in one of our groups today as well um, I, I think there'll be changes for this and I think I probably would make a couple of changes if I was the manager certainly had that United game and I think what's dead interesting is how Everton approach this in regards to they're not playing Leicester or Chelsea who are flying high on the table. They're playing a team that's big in reputation, have got some good players. But let's be honest, they are on their knees at the moment. Uh, the manager's under massive pressure. They've got a couple of key players out through suspension and they're coming to Goodison Park. Do you stick with this defensive approach and outlook that served us so well over the last couple of games? Or... Is there a sense of everything should
1: sensible dealing go at Arsenal early on? I really want us to go for like I really want us, to, really want us to go for them. Like, I really, I said it a couple of weeks ago. I think it must have been when they were playing um, Villa. But I really fancy a support three or four past them to be honest. I'm, I'm probably too confident. Oh, I've been really nervous <laughs> for the Chelsea and the Leicester game, and we're coming into this Arsenal one. And you know, this is a massive opportunity. And I know they're having, they're having a poor season, but it's still Arsenal. They're still, you know, a, a sky big six team. It's a massive opportunity to make a statement. You know what I mean? To say that these last two fixtures, they weren't just not like they're not like the four games, first four games of the season, where they're not a fluke. Do you know what I mean? And we're not just gonna end up whittling away, which you might do in the end of the season. But you know, right now, we're we're gonna be in and around the top four, and if we can end up, you know, if we, even if we just win one nil, but put in a really good performance where we really, you know, batter them, we create chances after chances. You know, as much as I'd like I suppose it doesn't really matter how we perform as long as we win, but you know, I feel like from a performance point of view, after the last two games, this is an opportunity to really just be play with a bit more freedom. You know, they're not gonna have um Gabriel. Um, hopefully they are probably gonna be playing Davaloise in the centre back. Uh, you know, hopefully we can just go out there and punish them because like I said, it's still Arsenal at the end of the day, and if we can go and play, if we can go and get two or three goals even if we don't keep a clean sheet, I know I know I've had two we've had two clean sheets in the last two games and I'm not that I'm not that fussed anymore. I want <laughs> to go to <so> <laughs> go. Want the free flow and swash football. <laughs> yeah, <out>. I want it <laughs> to go back.
0: But
1: uh, yeah, I think it's a big it's a big chance for us and hopefully especially if Hammes comes back as well. You know, if I was Arsenal, I would I wouldn't want to be playing us this, this weekend. But I mean I think I said that last time. I think last time uh, I think we, we just won four in a row, me and Dave were on. And you'd you said would you would you take five or seven points out the next three games? And me and me we're like, no, we'll have
2: nine, we'll have nine, and we we <laughs> lost three in a row. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what about you? Are different approach? You think of this game or not? I I can't help but think a little bit more pragmatic.
3: To be honest, like I've just seen how well we've defended over the last couple of games, and I just think to myself, all of the pressure is on Arsenal. Like. All every, all of the hype is around them and how badly they're playing. I think just essentially sit back and let them make mistakes with the footy. Sort of yeah, essentially they're just not good. They're, they're not playing well at the minute. Give them the ball, wait for them to make mistakes, punish them when they do. I, I just feel like we've we've got ourselves the perfect now defensive setup where they're not. They shouldn't really cause us many problems and still. A bit uneasy about the pace of Aubameyang, especially if he's going to play through the middle. There might be there might be a bit of an issue there if we don't switch personnel around a little bit. But I think aside from that, I think, I just think we've got a defensive system there that's just going to frustrate Arsenal. And if we keep them frustrated for the first like 15 minutes of the game, those mistakes are going to start coming. Because as I say, the pressure is on them. The pressure is on Arteta as well. And they're going to be going all out to try and beat us, I think. And I think they're just going to leave they're going to leave gaps at the back. And, you know, when we've got Calvert-Lewin up, up top and, in, in, you know, if he's going to be playing against David Luiz, you know, you're going you're gonna to fancy Calvert-Lewin in that duel. Uh, you've got Richarlison to hit them on the break. Depending depends on, per, like, personnel, whether James is fit or not. I think, you know, you've either got James to exploit them in terms of, you know, creative passing, or you've got Alex Iwobi to run directly at them and cause them problems in that sense. So I think... If we set ourselves up to be, you know, a counter-attack and force again, then, you know, I I just think we can frustrate Arsenal and you know, even if it's a defensive setup, I still think we could score three or four against them if we do that because they are playing that badly <laughs> at the minute.
2: Go on, Mick, we you gonna make a point there, mate.
1: Yeah, I su- I suppose from a more like a neutral or objective point of view, you know, from watching Arsenal quite a bit this season, when teams kind of just sit back and let them have the ball. They can often appear to be quite, um, <clears throat> quite clueless and quite vulnerable on the counter attack. And I think maybe that's maybe that's what, like, from from a tactical point of view, we should just not just set up to frustrate them, but like almost be like, Ron, you have the ball. We know you're not that good at trying to break teams down." You know, we've seen, you know, or heard even the comments about Arthur trying to like lash in crosses consistently, which, as much as that can be effective at times, when you've got Michael Keane and Yenny Mean, and you know, they effectively are the type of the type of things they want to be dealing with. They don't want to be dealing with runners in behind or anything like that. If you get the ball out wide and throw crosses in, you can say the same for Godfrey the same for Holgate. You know, that's their bread and butter. So if we always let them do that and then go, right, then, you know, you're not going to get much out of us that way. You've got to be a bit more creative. And I don't think you look at their midfield without Aizel. There's not a lot of creativity in there. Well, it was I think,
2: party, Thomas Partey's injured and Jack is suspended as well so
1: I, I, yeah, yeah that's, that's why I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew someone else's out party of course um, but it's almost like you just let frustrate them and then hit them on the break you know uh, it's it's changed to you in five minutes there have I? Thinking, out, I? <laughs> I <can't>, Adam's talking <laughs> into a, a more negative way of but, but
0: let's,
2: not negative.
1: <laughs> let's not say negative
2: yeah. let's not say negative yeah we yeah. could
3: still beat them 5-0 like that yeah of course sensible <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: More than the optimism, I Do you know what the the coach? You think? Though? I've sort of been thinking about this today. Is you know, I think whatever way Everton go about it, we have got the tools to beat Arsenal. Um, I just think, yeah. Yeah, I think they're better than Arsenal at the moment in the way you know they've got a world class striker. Um, we've got one which isn't far off maybe that level, but other than that, I think Everton are better than the minute in a lot of different areas of the pitch. So. Um, got a better manager as well fair to say <laughs> this is all going to come back to bite me on Saturday maybe. <laughs> but, uh, just a, a couple of other questions going into this one uh, the obvious one I'll come to you first on this one like, uh, Alan not going to be available for the game barring some miracle um, I'm sure Carlo can confirm he's out tomorrow uh, how, how would you set up a midfield
1: um, I think I'd like to see Davies come in but I, think, I don't think that will happen um, I have a feeling Coleman might be back because even if he's not completely 100% fit, I think Ancelotti will want him to play on Wednesday against United, and I don't think throwing him into a game of that magnitude straight away would be sensible. Even if he just plays 78, you know, 65 minutes on Saturday, which means then, you know, Holgate is free. Whether he goes out to left back, I don't know, because I'd like to see Godfrey in midfield at one point. But maybe Godfrey or Holgate slide into midfield, and effectively the system doesn't change. I was worried last night that, um, Maybe this is Alan's injury ends up forcing us go to go to a back three again, which could
2: happen. It could happen. Probably not. I'm sure or, we can't go back to that.
1: Again. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'd rather us not. To be honest, um, I don't think trying to go like for like and just pushing the corey back and putting Gomez in there is the right decision either. So hopefully Coleman's back, and then that should free up Holgate. Where he's just pushing, pushing to midfield. Hmm. On,
2: on Andre Gomez, Adam, I don't think he's, his performance sort of split. Opinion last night, they came on the pitch. I just thought he did very well. I, I didn't think he played too well at all when he when he came on in the game. But do you look at someone like him and think in, in the same way that Sigurdsson and be a benefited from minutes and a regular spot in the side? That maybe if we're going to give someone that prolonged opportunity, then he might be the best bet.
3: Well, yeah, I think in the first few games of the season, I think he proved that he could be really effective in that midfield three that we had, and I think you know he had a very defined role in that midfield three, and he. He lived up to that very well. I just think that in a midfield too, I think we've already seen his shortfalls uh, towards the back end of last season. And you know, obviously he wasn't the only one in our in our midfield, but he had that issue. But I, I, ju- I just don't, I don't think that he can come in to that exact same role that Alan can. I agree with Mike. I think you know, Tom Davis is the better fit for that. But I also agree that I just can't see Tom Davis being trusted to do that for some reason. You know, I'd, I'd really—he'd be my choice. I'd really want to see that happen. But I can't—I just can't shake the feeling that he's gonna try and get Hamez into this team somehow. And I just don't see how you can drop a Wobi or Sigurdsson. So it might be the case that Sigurdsson moves back and Hamez comes into where Sigurdsson was playing. Yeah, I feel like that—that that might be the way that he tries to get hammers back into the team. This is if he's fit, of course. I'm just presuming that he's going to be fit. But uh, yeah, if hammers isn't fit, I'd like to see Davis. But yeah, I can see a situation where it'd be like Holgate slash Godfrey in that uh, in that midfield, which I, w- I wouldn't be opposed to, I suppose. Uh, but it, it's not ideal at all.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, we'll do a few comments and questions, and we'll wrap up Gem uh, Mace has said uh, I agree with Mike I think the balance has been found now i take caution over a gunko approach and see more points on the board the more entertaining but risky football um, Tim Evans on the chart and stuff I think it's just lazy punditry they're paid to have an opinion but fortunately they don't watch Everton very often so come across as clueless uh, AA FIFA 2000 you guys reckon you'll beat Arsenal easily we'll ask that question in a little bit uh, before we finish today and uh, LMC two four seven. I'm sure Pickard will be back in goal for Arsenal. But did anyone else feel strangely relaxed with Olsen in goal when corners were going in? He did, didn't really have much to do, did he, lads, Olsen? Like, it's hard to get too much of a, a read on him, but he looks look all right, doesn't he? Looks pretty composed, pretty solid. I
0: think
2: that's what you need from a backup
3: keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's probably what we've been looking for for a backup keeper for so long, and it's just you know that we haven't really been able to trust Jonas Lossel. Uh, Obviously, Jabergin is a very young goalkeeper, so he's probably in a bit of a different boat. But Robin Olsen's obviously come in, and he's just—he is just that calm and influence when he when he's behind the defence. He didn't really need to do all that much, but I think he, you know, he claimed his crosses really well. You know, he dealt with that. I think Vardy hit his head a straight at him almost, but I think he still dealt dealt with that very well. But that was essentially really the only thing that he had to de- deal with in terms of shots on target. So yeah, I think it was just a confident sort of composed performance but I don't think it should be forgotten that you know in the last couple of games I think Jordan Pickford played really really well and I've been confident enough with him in goal as well so this is this is this is what we've been aiming for all this time like obviously like, we've we've got to this point so many times for Pickford where you think and see yourself oh is this the time where he could just you know be consistent now from this point on and you know, uh, I've got past the point of trying to predict whether that's going to be the case or not. But I think he's got better conditions to try and do that now than he ever has at Everton because he has got this, you know, consistent backup behind him. He's got, you know, you know, somebody to bounce off even in training. You know, it, it seems that, you know, they, they, they can just strike up a good rapport with each other. And, you know, I, th- I think that's only going to help us in the long run. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to uh, rotating goalkeepers, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I think that, that's fair enough. Um, have you been impressed
1: with him, Mike? Um, yeah, I thought he was. I think surprising. he's quite good with his feet as well. You know, that's quite a big thing that um, Pickford gets and um, points like points out for. But last night he was he was fine. You know, Jamie Vardy with you know putting on the pressure. You know, he can cause quite a, quite a bit of panic for goalkeepers, but you know we didn't see he didn't see him to flinch at all. Um, and I have a feeling he'll start on Wednesday next week.
2: Yeah, I think he might as well in that
1: United game. Uh, yeah, I I think I think um, last night was almost. Um, without obviously goalkeepers don't really get rested, but I think it was a way of Ancelotti going. I want to see because I I want to play you on Wednesday. This is your chance to like prove that, like to, to confirm the idea. Basically, I think we'll see Pickford on Saturday, and then also will come back in next week against United.
2: Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there, lads. Uh, just final question. Uh, so we decided, you know, we haven't really decided that they're going to play on Saturday, but uh, are they going to beat Arsenal 1-0 or 4-0, lad? <laughs> are they the only two options? <laughs> <laughs> this is all going to come back to bite me, of course, but uh, I, I just think it's going to go. I
3: can't... I can't. I just can't see three clean sheets in a row, to be honest. Yeah. Even 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 with the best will in the world, I just can't see three clean sheets in a row. I'm going to go for a fairly close 2-1. That's what I was going to go for as well, 2-1. Yeah. There
2: we go. Take that. Uh, yeah, be made up with that, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, cheers to the lads uh, for coming on tonight. Really enjoyed that chat. Thanks everyone for getting involved on YouTube if you are listening on the uh, usual podcast app. So give us a rating, give us a review, all that kind of thing. And if you want to hear more from us, as ever, we are on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash TheBlueRoomExtra. But yeah, we'll speak to you again later and we'll kick about with instant reactions to that game against Arsenal at the weekend.
0: The General Insurance presents Shower Ballads by Shaq. Turns out, everyone does sound better in the shower. And it turns out, The General is a quality insurance company that's been saving people money for nearly 60 years. I just so you. For a great low rate and nearly 60 years of quality coverage, make the right call and go with The General. The General Auto Insurance Services, Inc., an insurance agency. Nashville, Tennessee. Some restrictions apply.